Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's Flames Nation Radio, episode number 31. As Shane eloquently put it before we started recording, the swing episode. Uh, it is the second edition of Flames Nation Radio during the postseason, brought to you by DoorDash and by Oakland Distillery, Rupert's Whiskey, the official whiskey of the Calgary Flames. Hopefully, so far through the first four games, there have been things that have driven you fans to drink for positive reasons. And undoubtedly, there have been things to drive you to drink for negative reasons. Uh, we are recording this prior to game number five. Uh, it is currently, just so you can, just so we either look very smart or very dumb, we are recording this about three and a half hours before puck drop. Well, for puck drop, it's like three and three quarters hours. Uh, it's a 7.50 puck drop scheduled on Sportsnet, CBC, and ESPN, and Sportsnet 960 Radio Network. Uh, so we're about, we're about three, the better part of four hours away from puck drop for game five. Flames and the Dallas Stars are tied at two games apiece. I would say the Flames have played four pretty good games on the whole. I would say, you know, uh, I'd say, but what do you think? So I would I think say. game two was more of a dud. Like game two. I, was I, I, think, I, think, I think game four was a really good, I think if we're doing, mm-hmm. if we're going to, you know, if we're, you know, as 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 uh, young Shane is still uh, getting schooled, uh, Shane would probably, I think, we give g- uh, Game Four's effort an A. Mm-hmm. I think we would give Game One's effort a B, and I think we're looking at like a solid B, B minus for games th- uh, two and three of the games they lost. I would say, and we'll we'll get into this. The I think we'll get into the highs and lows of the first four games uh, in this episode. I would say the at a very like a, a 10,000 foot level, the difference between the flames, the games they won and the games they lost was execution. Uh, I think you can make a very good case that the flames that first period of game one, they deserve to have more than one goal and they played their asses off and they did a lot of simple things. Well, and then they got less good at doing simple things for the next two games and change. And then game, game, number, game, game four, mwah, they were just, Game four, I thought the Flames were just really good at doing simple things. And actually, I'll point out to this. So uh, Daryl Sutter, uh, after screwing with us in the media pretty much for all of uh, all of Monday, and kudos, sir. Uh, we'll all tip our hats to you because I think a lot of us bought it hook, line, and sinker. So for those of you who, are, who aren't very online, spending your days on Twitter, what's, that, what's it like to have a life? Uh, but for those of us who are very online and very on Twitter, here is how Monday unfolded. Here is Monday in a nutshell. So 
the Flames uh, were coming off of a loss on on uh, a four to two loss on uh, on Saturday in game number three mm-hmm. to Dallas, and so morning skate they went through uh, they had new lines and it appeared that uh, the left winger on the Michael Backlund line was going to be Brett Ritchie and appeared that the fourth line right winger was going to be Andrew Mangiapane. So the changes would have made it. The second line would have become Richie Backland and uh, Toffoli. The fourth line would have become Lucic, Lewis, and Mangiapane. Now, Andrew Mangiapane can play either wing because he's very good at hockey. He is more of a natural left wing. Aside from a few times where he's sort of been moved around, predominantly he plays on the left side. Uh, when Blake Coleman plays in that line, Blake Coleman plays on the right side. So the, the Flames have a lot of lefties who play their off wing, but most of the time, uh, Andrew Majapani plays the left side because he's a lefty. Similarly, most of the time, uh, Brett Ritchie plays the right side because he's a righty. Would it, does it seem odd to put a right winger on the left side or a right shot player on the left side? No, I'm a right shot myself and I prefer playing the left wing when I do play. Have not played in a while, have not played very well, but when I did play, I, I was I played on my off wing because there's just a comfort there. So different people are different. Uh, there are plenty, you know, uh, case in point in, in the in the American Hockey League, the Flames have uh, Dmitry Zabgarati, who's a, a natural righty who plays the left side. He doesn't play a lot because the Heat are very deep on the left side. And also because Zabgarati, he's just, to be blunt, he isn't quite as good as he was in junior. Uh, that's how the Heat are there. So for the thing, so Daryl Sutter trots out these new lines. Everyone's like, Brett Ritchie, what? And it was, so it was like a. Is he really going to do this? Like, like it was a. It, he rolls. He you, rolls you four can, lines anyways. So and it's you can like you can make it make sense because I think I posted on Twitter. I'm like, I don't know if he's going to do this, but I can kind of see the logic because that way, like Ritchie is a north south player. Not a lot of skill there, but a lot of heart, a lot of hustle. If the idea was, oh, you know, backlands line needs a more physical guy. Okay, yeah, okay, I can see that. You know, Tyler Foley has to Foley has that good shot. Backlands a good two hundred foot guy, but you need a puck retrieval guy. Brett Reach could fit that that mindset. Similarly, you're playing on the road. Lucic and Lewis might not have as much skill as Majupani. Majupani with over thirty goals this year. Heck of a finisher, and between Lewis and Lucic, they can be your puck retrieval guys and your two hundred foot guy. Like they can, okay, yeah, I can. I I talk myself into believing I could see Daryl doing this, and there's it seems like they would have been lines that made some sense. And then we got to warmups, and you know our friends uh, at the rink in Dallas were tweeting the warmup lines, being like, "Oh, it looks like they're back to normal for lines." It's uh, you know Machipani was on the second line. You had. Richie on the fourth line on the right side, back to normal. Oh, hum. Daryl's screwing with us. Ha ha ha. Well done, sir. Well done. And, and, and then, then, and then, so for those of you who, uh, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, know that I post, uh, I do a screenshot of the game sheet uh, from the NHL website for every single game, just to be like, here's who's the scratch, who's who started, those kind of things. I, I like to keep track of it. It's it's kind of a fun thing that I do. I do the same thing occasionally. Most of the time when I'm following the, the Stockton Heat games of who's scratched, who isn't, who's playing with who, those kind of things. You know, it's a fun thing. So one thing I noticed when I, when I posted up, and uh, actually I believe it was uh, Matthew DeFranks from uh, the Dallas Morning News who, who flagged it too. Actually, he flagged it first because I just, I did the screenshot, post it, went, here's your, you know, here are the scratches and starters, went along my day. A couple of seconds later, bing, got a notification uh, from uh, Matt DeFranks' uh, Twitter account. Oh, Flames are 11-7. 11-7? Who's out? 
Brett Ritchie's out. So the whole thing with Brett Ritchie was based on uh, based on what we can tell. Daryl, uh, as he told uh, the, the assembled media in Dallas uh, after the game, Daryl thought uh, after uh, Rasmus Bird Anderson game. got punted in game one and the Flames had to roll with five defensemen for the last two periods, with e games every other day, he thought that the, the, the defense looked a little bit tired. And yeah, okay, yeah, I can see that. Uh, so through the, you know, had them, you know, they basically you know, dealt with it in game two and game three, and in game four, he's like, no, got to make a change. And so he put Michael Stone in in place of uh, the 12th forward, Brett Ritchie. And so Michael Stone ended up playing oh, about 10 minutes. I think 10, 11 or 10, 12 was his officialized time. And he played on the power play. He played the penalty kill. He played a little bit even strength, but not very much. When you're only playing 10 minutes, you're not playing a lot in any situation. But well, he, had, he had eight shots. He had eight shots and he just made stuff happen. He was, you know, I, I'm team chaos, as many of you know. And Michael Stone, the Flames' seventh defenseman, you know, good, good guy, good brother, good dad. You know, every time I talk to him in the elevator, he's telling me about what his kids are up to. And, you know, he's, got, he's, he's playing for league minimum in Calgary because he's, you know, his, his, his family lives here and he's from the area and he likes the town. And he likes the organization and those kind of things. Playing for league minimum, coming in in game four of a playoff game with the Flames down two games to one. And he just made shit happen. And you can look at a lot of the good things that happened for the Flames and I think a lot of them took their cues from Stone because Stone, Michael Stone would probably be the first to tell you, is Michael Stone the most skilled player in the NHL? Well, no. Uh, his best thing he has is his shot. And the second best thing he has is his on-ice awareness, where he just sort of knows where to be and where to go. And he doesn't really ever surprise you, but he's always, he's always solid. He's, he's a rock solid. He's a, he's a great seven. Could, would he, be a he came in and he gave the guys rest. Right. Like, like it allowed Sutter to mix up. Like if he felt one defenseman looked slow, the next shift, okay, well we can put, we can put stone out there. You can take a shift off. Right. Like we've got to trust. And Sutter says, he said it all year long, you know, it's playoffs. You're going to use a bunch of guys. Like he's like, you're going to need a bunch of guys. You're not going to use just the same roster from game one through to hopefully game 20 at max. They can play 27, 28, so, 28 sorry. Yeah, I'm supposed to be the math guy. Uh, but yeah, my favorite thing he did was early in the first, like when the Flames were just bombarding, he kept getting the puck back at the right point and he would just shoot it. And I think he had about four of his eight shots in one shift where he'd shoot the puck, it'd make the save like he did, has on pretty much everybody all series long. Flames would get the puck in the corner and they'd throw it back around to the point. It would end up back on Stone's stick, and Stone wasn't looking to do anything but shoot. Now, that can be a hindrance at some points, but at that time early in the game, just pepper, just pepper, go for the rebounds. It was something that they hadn't seen. The Flames were actually had traffic in front of the net while he was doing that, so it was, like, worth it. And it started, you know, wearing out Ottinger. They need to start doing they, – they, they, they did it really good. They peppered him with shots. I don't think we're going to see 50 shots again. I think Dallas is going to try and shore up defense. You think we're going to see 60 shots, don't you? Like <laughs> hey, that one hey, game against I'm right. If I say we don't see 50, I mean – but they, they came to play. That was – game four was the Calgary Flames team that we've seen regularly all year long. They were good on the forecheck. They established, won their puck battles. They kept possession of the puck in the Dallas zone. They weren't necessarily shooting it, but they had it. And it was nowhere near their own goaltender and they weren't needing to run around. They controlled the game. It was all them. 
And the only reason that we caused Flames fans to lose hair in the first 30 minutes was because the Stars have really do have this absolute stud of a goaltender that is emerging from this playoff series, regardless how it goes. He is going to be project. He's their number one guy going forward, and he earns it. He's earned it. He's saved ridiculous amounts of goals above the, expected. The, the, just jumping off what you're saying, like when, when I tweet about details, that is exactly what I'm talking about in terms of, you know, the, are the Flames throwing away the puck on changes? No, they're holding on to it. And, you know, one guy, when the Flames are playing well, instead of just wildly flinging the puck in on dump on changes, somebody goes in first and then there's one or two guys tracking in and then he whips the puck around to them and then goes to the bench. So little things like that, you know, just the idea of they're not throwing away chances, they're not throwing away shots, they're getting in the way of guys or, you know, that they, they did a lot of, you, you could look at the tape from any of the first three games, then compared to game four. And if you, with the sound off and with the things set up, if you're just watching patterns, there's not a lot of difference there. Everybody's in the right spots. Everyone's doing close to the right things. The difference is there's a bit more urgency. There's a bit more execution. There's a bit more battle level. Uh, I think the Flames won a lot more 50-50 pucks in game four than they did in the other three games, maybe combined. Like they were all over them. But I think that's the kind of thing that gets it in there because like even, even just look at, look at the penalties the Flames drew, uh, slash the fines the Flames drew. Brett, uh, Jamie Ben got fined for, some are calling it a slew foot. I'm not calling it a slew foot. I'm just going to use the word slew foot a lot so that people can, can say slew foot. Because it's a fun two words to say, slew foot. Mm. Slew foot. It's just a fun term. But he was credited with a trip. The NHL said that's a dangerous trip based on where he was. You know, the way the way Brett Rich, or the way that Trevor Lewis fell could have been a lot more dangerous for Trevor Lewis's knees and ankles and all kinds of body parts. So thankfully, Trevor Lewis seems to be fine because he finished the game and played pretty well. But the, the, but the the thing I liked about the Flames in that period was Begin the second period, there's like, okay, we're going right at them. And they they went right at them. They went around. They just they just kept beating Dallas to to those puck, to lose pucks. Uh, cool. the, the, the the Elias Lindholm goal, one of my favorite goals. You, you know, it's I think it was a, a pass from the 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 left of Ottinger the, across the, the slot. So yeah. it was Kachuk flinging the puck into the slot. It got past. I think I don't think Lindholm expected it because it got past Lindholm and just sort of drifted towards the 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 left point. Uh, and so the Flames had, a, you know, it looked like maybe it'll trickle out. And in other, other games, it probably would have gotten out of the zone. But Noah Hannafin, who was pinching before, saw it and then, you know, hauled ass to the point, held it, flung it back down to Johnny Gaudreau. Gaudreau immediately noticed there was a gap in coverage to, uh, yeah. to Lindholm, put it right on his stick, and Lindholm had like 90 if, years to get that if, shot off. If Lindholm's in that space between the faceoff dots, like slot level, Good, good night, whatever goal he's in the next. If you put if you put it on his good tape night. and he has more than a half second to think about it, it's it's almost automatic. It's, I said it to start of the year. He's got the best natural shot on the team for anybody, whether it's wrist, slap, flick, everything. I, I he does. He's the most accurate as well as the strength and the power he's got. He just hits the net. Like could, the one thing I really like from that line. Matthew Kachuk and his puck and his board battles down low was massively improved, partially because he was actually on the ice the whole game. He wasn't spending time in the box. And that, that I want to talk about that because what Milan Lucic did, Jamie Ben was melting off in the media. Jamie Ben had, was, was, was saying things like, Oh, he's a smart kid. He shouldn't fight me. And he, Milan he is a smart out, kid. Milan Lucic went out first shift, went right to Ben and whatever he said to Ben, 
Ben didn't want the smoke right off the hop. And it's basically, if you want to deal with these guys, you're going to go through. Let's, let's not put words in the literature's mouth. Let's the facts of the matter is this, the flames put out a line against Jamie Ben's line that had natural center, Callie Yerncroke, natural center, Trevor Lewis, and Milan Lucic, who is a left winger, who occasionally takes face-offs. And who took the opening face-off against Jamie Ben, The winger, Milan Lucic, who is not a natural center, who does not play center, who does not line up as a center. He's played some center, but only but all the did, other centers are in the back. He did go after him, like after the puck had dropped too. He, you, he, you, there was vision. He was shoving him, saying like things like, like giving him the old head nod, like, yeah, hey, let's do it. Let's I'll do say, it. I'll say this, that, that the, the Flames used... Uh, that those three guys, Young Croak, Lucic, and Lewis, to start off the first, second, and third periods, and they set the tone really well. And I thought, uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I, I really liked. We talked about Michael Stone. I really liked eleven forwards, and I'm, I'm, the, the I, I think looks. Oh, and that's the thing because, like, we, you know, we've we, they, they, they largely kept the top three together. Like, Lin, you know, Lindholm, Gaudreau, and Kachuk, you know, attached at the hip. They, they pretty much exclusively played with each other with minor variations. Uh, occasionally, Goudreau got a second line, second look. Occasionally, Kachuk did. But pretty much that, those three guys only really came out in the combination together. Uh, the second line, more, most of the time, was the reuniting of that Manchupani, Backlund, uh, Blake Coleman line, which is very good. They played t- well together. They played, you know, Manchupani didn't have a great game, but I thought, I thought that line as a group played really well together. But I think... The thing that I really liked with the Flames was their bottom five rotation. They had five guys for six spots, and so they just rotated guys through. And sometimes you had Goudreau or or Kachuk coming in and getting an extra rep or Coleman getting an extra rep in the bottom six rotation just to fill in a gap. But you also had, like, the combinations I liked were Lewis, Lucic, Toffoli, that was Lewis, Lucic, Yarncroak. Uh, for a little while they had, I think, uh, uh, Dubay, Lewis, Dube, Lucic, Toffoli were out there mid on a line change and ended up in an offensive zone shift. And those are the three guys I call the blasty bros because they just, they can be mean, snarly, and they play hard nosed every single time. And they just, they're all like friends. And that was cool. Like they actually were able to make some nifty passing plays together in the offensive zone. And there's no natural center amongst those three. And they were out there for a solid 30 seconds together. So like, that's what it did. It allowed you, you didn't even have a center out there and they were still controlling play. Well, and so. and at the, uh, cause like if, if you're the flames and you're, if you're anticipating the Dallas is going to try line match at home or on the road, you have a, a pretty well-defined top six, uh, whether or not Manjipani in the doghouse is yet to be seen. But yeah. I think that, I think that the six best forwards in the team are very well established. If the idea is you have five other guys, you can play in any different combination going 11 forwards like if you're if you're Kirk Muller if you're Daryl Sutter you just pick names out of a hat and just throw them out there and you're going to get a different look and if you're Dallas and you're trying to situationally line match you're trying to figure out the vibe of any given shift if you don't know which three guys are coming out at you it makes it really tough and granted I didn't think Dallas had a very good game I think uh I love the quote from Rick Bonus after the game. First question he was asked by the press uh in Dallas was what was going on he was like I thought they were really good and I thought we were really bad yeah. And I thought the Flames were really good. I thought Dallas had had occasional spurts of good play. But if you told me, if you asked me based on play, which team deserved to win by three goals, it'd be Calgary. And I thought Calgary did a really good job responding to everything that happened in game three. 
And like that was just that was just a good game. They played they played the they played the game they needed to play. Dallas did not. Dallas was very far from the Dallas that they needed to be. They played the way that I was hoping that they'd play this. Like like it's been a long time since we've seen a playoff game where Calgary actually controlled play like that at at, at any time. Like when they won a game against Colorado, that was as close that was a close game the Colorado probably had a tilt that was that, I think that game was like a 40 in terms of carry play it was like 45 55 it was really really close like yeah there was man, maybe a five minute stretch in that game that the Flames man, did toe drag backhand across the crease there with like less than five minutes to go that was like one of the big goals they took the one nothing lead and then they never won again um partially because the shooting percentage sucked which is another problem they're at they're less than four percent at five on five shooting percentage they're the worst team in the in uh in the playoffs with shooting percentage which which by the law of numbers means that they're still poised to break out with goals based on how they play the flames are there's still more goals coming what's with the uh the, sh- the goals against are what seven seven right now it's yeah, five on five. I have it up here on natural stats. Five on five. I think it's like two. Um, goals against at five on five, three to two. Or here, let me get rid of the score venue. Five on five goals against three, three four Calgary, two against. So there's only five total five on five goals through four games. And what Dallas has two empty netters. The Flames have one empty netter. So yeah, and you take each team goals. has uh, Flames have a couple of power play goals. Dallas has a couple of power. Play. It's it's really close. It's, it's a really it's close tight. Game. The difference really, if you look. Um, I shared a bunch of stuff on Twitter, retweeted it, whether it was from Hockey Viz or Evolving Hockey. Jake Ottinger coming into game four, so not even counting what he did in the game four loss, he was at eight goals saved above expected. Now, expected goals are you get so many chances, folks. You get uh, every chance has a numerical value for it in terms of, you know, the expect expectation that will actually go in the net. Well, it's, and I, I think do, it's, it's, it's a weight thing. It's a formula based on based on the type of shot yeah. you t- get and the distance and the cup perc- generally speaking how often is that result in a goal and then they conglomerate it together so if you have a bunch and, of and it's not like big in numbers it's not like like a, like a number right out front of the crease is still like a 0.03 or 0.35 expected goals like that's like right in the crease so even then it's not like so and then it accumulates over the span of a game and you know if 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 the, someone's got 12.3 expected goals over a span of three games then you would have expected the, the team to have at least scored 12 goals right like jake ottinger the flames had created i think about nine expected goals over three games and jake ottinger had let in two so he was he was seven goals saved so stopped above expected which is insane those, those are the numbers that like you you heard a lot mid season people uh, talking about Shesterkin and how historical his numbers were and what he was doing. And he's a Vezza finalist with Flames, Jacob Markstrom. Um, what Ottinger's doing right now is literal insanity. It's something that you don't game plan for a goaltender standing on his head and playing like the best goaltender in the league. So, well, I mean, the, there, the, game the fact that, that it's is two, two, the game plan for that is to get into his kitchen. But there's also, I mean, yeah, they when he's like, start. when he's pulling the type of like here, the entire series for Jake Ottinger in a nutshell is basically, I don't know uh, if anyone, obviously, we all saw it. I don't remember if anyone remembers the, the, the chance that Tyler Toffoli had to the glove side of Ottinger in game four, where basically oh it was put, it was put right on to fully stick and he just didn't get it up high enough. He got it up. It's not like he put it right into the pillows. He didn't put right in the logo. He made the goalie make a save, but Jake Ottinger basically just put his glove up and went, 
boink, thank you. And then, you know, they got a whistle. So the two things, the, the two thoughts you have are, one, Jake Ottinger's in really good position there, which he was, and he has a good glove hand. And could Toffoli have gotten that up higher? Sure. He could have missed the net entirely, too. He made the goalie make a save, and he made the goalie make a great save. And how many of those does Jake Ottinger happen in? So I, I think that I think all you really can do is do whatever you can to make the goalie make saves and make him have to make a really good save. The more the more Jake Ottinger saves end up on Sports Center or uh, or Hockey Central during the, the first couple of games of the series means there's probably like all goalies they're getting good chances. All goalies probably have a finite number of crazy chances they can stop. At some point, Mika Kiprasov didn't stop all the pucks because he simply couldn't stop everything. And that's the, that's the philosophy of Jake Andre. I mean, when the Flames put up 54, like what, the, the 54th shot was the empty netter. So poor Jake Andre saw 53 chances, 53 good shots on he him. He still saved 50. Yeah, and he <laughs> lost. He made, he made 50 yeah. saves and his team lost. Yeah, so you can't say. I think if if Dallas fans, Texas fans are going to come out of this, anything there, no no blame is going to touch Jake Ottinger. I'll I'll say this. I, I had a, a nice chat with Matt DeFranks uh, when he was uh, through town the week before the playoff. Basically, the, the last time Dallas came through, mm-hmm. uh, Dallas has a really good team. They're I think the challenge with Dallas is they're probably like one or it's two. They're one or two good young if they have it, like granted, i mean chase it's unfair to say they need another chase robertson if they had one guy who is like a crappy version of jason robertson one or two more guys maybe another young blue liner they're set they their goaltenders like they have they've auditor who's great they've uh, they have a couple guys in texas who are pretty decent hands who will, st- will be able to step in i think if you if you're looking for for some backup i think i think having the job of being the backup goaltender in dallas is going to be such a a, a hotly contested job it's a good hockey town it's a good sports town there's a baseball team there's a no football taxes. team no state income tax like there's a lot of things to like about that similarly like you look at their blue line they have so many good young defensemen coming in that system and they're only getting better uh they have so many good young forwards i think they're they're in the middle of a transition like you said but you know if d- yeah, no matter what happens in this series guys. no matter what happens in the series i think the future is bright in Dallas. I don't know if Dallas should be considered a, a cup contender yet. I think they're probably two good seasons of development for their key players away from that. But my goodness, like they've got a very good hockey they, club. They do have the experience though. Like a lot of those guys were part of their cup run to the cup final two years ago. You got to remember, they're not that far removed from, from going there. And, and they don't the, have, they do the have bubble playoffs. The, as an aside, does the bubble playoffs seem like a hundred years ago? Yeah. It seems like forever ago I, I had short hair when the bubble playoffs started so. you were clean shaven when the bubble yeah playoffs started. i was clean shaven and had it had no it was like buzz cut when the when the when the bubble playoffs started so the, this is what happens folks this is how long it's been but no it's been dallas is good jamie ben and tyler sagan have clearly taken a step back joe, joe pavelski joe pavelski hasn't joe pavelski's ageless wonder he's he's gonna be he seamlessly is a uh, he's a flames killer too. He likes to I'll, score I'll, goal I'll say out. this. I'll say this. The you know the 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 bloggers for uh, the stars are probably saying, "Oh man, you know what I friggin' hate I hate Kachuk. I hate Lucic. I hate you know." There's probably a handful yeah. of other guys in the team they dislike. But my goodness, like from from a flames perspective, Jesus having having the the ability 
to have Ben and Sagan and, and uh, Pavelski up and down your lineup, teaching young guys. They have Ryan Suter, who's still got tread left on the tires. He's been they playing a, top four role too. They, and, and he's so, so quiet. He's so, you barely notice him. He's, he plays a ton and he, he, he carries the, the load in terms of the quiet defensive stuff so that Miro Heiskanen can be Miro Heiskanen. And mm-hmm. great. Like, and Miro that's, Heiskanen that's, that's had some good looks. You, you forget, he rang the crossbar um, early in the first when it was 0-0. He come in, snuck in, got us chance from the slot, and that was a heavy shot right off the crossbar. I think it went, I think it just got a piece of Markstrom's shoulder before it went into that. But still, like, if he's allowed to roam and he's got the room to roam, he can make you pay. Uh, he's, he's a true number one or going to be number one defenseman and he already is getting paid like he's getting eight million a year um, <laughs> at least he's not getting suspended for games in the playoffs but I mean that is better to play than not play okay Shane sorry, what did you okay, we so we talked about the stuff that we liked so far in the series uh what have we not liked so far through four games I didn't like the four check to start uh they fixed that in game four a lot but they weren't we they weren't getting in like they were dumping pucks especially late when they had their goalie pulled they were dumping the puck in they dumping the puck in on power plays they weren't emphasizing actually holding on to the puck when they could they were just doing the quick dump it mentality which is what they used to do they need to take and they did and they did do they corrected this in game four so they needed to take what the stars defense was giving them if the stars defense was giving them the blue line they needed to continue to walk in with possession don't don't dump it just because for the sake of getting now if someone pressures you or someone's coming from behind absolutely that's the safe play that's the smart play get it deep but they were they were defaulting to that they didn't they weren't carrying it when they could and, and waiting for possession one of the best things johnny gaudreau did was he, he would get in the zone uh, and everyone's like oh he's doing the button curl he used to do the button curl and look for a cross ice pass now he does it keeps possession lets kachuk get low and then rims it around the boards to kachuk if kachuk's being pressured Chuck can keep letting it go and Lindholm or Anderson are on the right-hand boards to pick it up and then they can keep possession. They weren't doing that. They were trying to find the cross-seam pass. They were trying to force it. They were getting away from everything that made them successful. So they did correct that in game four. I want to see that. And I want to see more traffic in front of Ottinger. They didn't have enough in game two. They didn't have enough in game three. They lost both of them. The shots from the point that some of the guys were taking, they weren't charging the net. All of this stuff. I would I would say with that, the we love you, Noah Hannafin. But the Noah Hannafin looping wrister into the goalie's crest or into the goalie's glove helps nobody. It gets you an ozone face off, but it really does nothing else to make it happen. A foot lower, and it could go off a skate or a stick and maybe beat on. If it goes a foot lower, he either has to crouch down, it creates extra holes in his gear, or he boots it off his pillows, and then you get something else coming out. So I I get the idea of. You got nothing going on. You don't give up possessions. So you're just playing it on net, but there's playing it on net and they're shooting it. And there, the, the other thing that I noticed was there's not a lot of like Ottinger's been giving up a fair amount of rebounds and Calgary just didn't, they, they're not on the, they weren't on the crease. They weren't there. They're not searching for those dirty, dirty playoff goals now. And eventually they got one and guess which line was the one that got the dirty, greasy. Uh, the term playoff. we prefer to use is greasy goals. Dirty goals have a negative connotation. Grease is useful. Grease is something well, you, you, you can cook with grease. Grease tends to make sure your, your machinery works properly. Uh, well, grease is good. Dirt you need. Dirt is gross. Well, you might as grease well just is call Trevor Lewis Mr. Grease then because he is doing – Daryl Sutter said it. He says, we're lucky to have a player like Trevor Lewis. 
And to be honest, these $800,000, these first four games, he has been invaluable. His penalty killing has been fantastic. He's always of all the players. He's been consistent. You, you can make a case that he was, the, you can make a case. He's been the Calgary's most consistently reliable really player has. in the series. Like I'm absolutely, I, I've got a newfound respect for Trevor Lewis as a player. I, I knew he was going to come hit the numbers. Everything said that he was going to be a defense first bottom six guy, but he's he, what he's added to the penalty kill and the consistency level. And we just the pairing of him and Lucic knowing that what exactly you're going to get out of the two of them, no matter who the third person on the line is, is fantastic. And you, you know, they know where to be. They know how to play off each other. They've got some good chemistry. And when you can mix and match the lines and maybe sneak Johnny Gaudreau out for a shift with them, when you do the 11 and seven, that just helps them. And they, they know how to get possession. They know how to keep the puck low and keep the defenseman's head on a swivel. So they've been fantastic. Trevor Lewis specifically, I like to call him out for being, like you said, one of the most consistent forwards on the team. I'll make, I'll make the case. The other thing I didn't like, so far in the series and they were a lot better in game four and i think because of the details of their game being a lot better the flames have like daryl flat out said they got their asses kicked in face-offs i think after game three it's game two or game three one of the games got game their asses two. kicked on face game two they were just terrible yeah i, I think i think the, the the better games they played two two and three they weren't very good in face-offs one and four they're a lot better in face-offs and i thought you can't just say it's all in the center i think it's in terms of the the battle level of everybody on the ice and this okay, so this is this is my my long tangent. So remember earlier I talked about how much I loved eleven and seven and how it kept the the, the regular defenseman fresh. So specifically, the ten minutes to Michael Stone in Game Four made it so that there was less time, I think, two, between two and three fewer minutes in that game for Tanev, Anderson, Hannafin. kept the kept the good players fresh. Then uh, Oliver Shillington ended up playing a little bit less, but you know who cares? He don't, he don't kill, so yeah. He don't kill. He plays sometimes in the power play, but it depends. So uh, anyway, so the, the thing that I noticed, the, the Flames at their best play a really strong five-man unit uh, in terms of they play connected. They play, it's about execution. It's about short, simple passes. And it's about bundling things together simply to create pressure, to create possession, and just grind your, the other team to dust. What worked well, I think, in game number four was they got more out of the regular defensemen. You need to make a case for Stone, too. But adding Stone in, taking the extra two or three minutes out, gave you a little bit more gas in the tank for those three guys in particular and allowed them to get more involved, be more engaged, be more connected. And I think the reason, you know, we talk about, oh, man, you know who was really good? That top line was really good. And I thought Gaudreau and Kachuk and Lindholm were very good in game four. I think one of the reasons why they were good in game four is the guys behind them, the defensemen, were all almost uniformly better than they were in game two or game three. And I think the Flames can just, I think the key to the Flames is their defense. If the if the blue line group is active, energetic, engaged, making simple, smart plays, connecting with between each other and the in their forwards, I think the Flames are a really tough team to beat. And if they're it's making mistakes, huge... if they're tired, if they're beaten up, then they're a lot easier to beat when they activate and help keep possession in the offensive zone and not just throw it on net, like a lot of D will get the puck and they'll try to walk the line and shoot it. And like, it's okay. It's fine. Like this is, I always refer to it. Mark Giordano loved to do it. Mark Giordano. I was watching the Leafs play last night. He's still doing it. He gets the puck at the point and he shoots it. And sometimes that's not the right play. Sometimes the better play is go back into the corner, keep possession, keep the guys wore out and look for a better opportunity to try and beat the goaltender. 
because shooting it from that far out and praying for a bounce uh, or if you're shooting it, like you said, like if you shoot it high enough that it's just going to bounce into the goalie's crest, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. You're wasting it. You're giving away possession. Dallas is pretty good at getting rebounds in front of their goalie and boxing out. So you, you need to be able to get chances from in closer. If you notice the what goals that have beat Ottinger, the, well, the person that's beat Ottinger twice, Mr. Lindholm has both scored both goals from the uh, face-off circles. That that's how far out he was when he beat Ottinger and Rasmus Anderson's five on three goal face-off circle. Trevor Lewis's goal in tight right there. So getting the like, Ottinger's not letting anything in from the point you need to push the stars back in towards them, which will help create more traffic and then find an outlet pass to someone who can maybe find some space on the wing or just put it back down low and let the guys grind down low. Like they're, they're good at it. They've been doing it all year, specifically Matthew Kachuk. He's so good and he can come the, the thing Kachuk can do because he's got this IQ. If the pass ain't there, he'll bring it out front and charge the crease and create an absolute havoc, which is nothing but a beneficial thing for the attacking team. Those, those are the types. Those are the types of goals that get scored in the postseason, though. And, and those are the yeah. types of goals. As, as Daryl Sutter's catchphrase has been, "Now our goals are scored for me to you." Usually between him and someone in like the first or second row of the media. So it's like it's within like 15, 20 feet of the net. And yeah, he's right. And I don't think it's coincidence that most of the Flames' goals have been scored from the hash marks in. And, and so do that. That's just, that's just, that's what's needed to beat this goaltender. He's not, it's not like you're getting shots like Mike Smith in his series. He's been letting a lot of goals in from distance. Like the, the, the Kings have been able to throw pucks from the point and they found ways past them, or he's, you know, busy passing it right to them while he's standing behind the net. It's like, that doesn't happen with Calgary. Markstrom doesn't play the puck like that. Markstrom plays the puck to his defenseman, his defenseman alone. Sometimes he springs a winger for a pass, but usually it's, the wing is wide open and, and Ottinger's doing the same thing. Ottinger's not looking for stretch passes. Ottinger is tending the goal and you need to crash it and create havoc for him to get him out of position. Because if you just leave him in position and he can see it, he is going to stop it. Jane has, has there been a nicer goal in your memory scored by Johnny Gaudreau than the penalty shot goal he scored in game four? Or was it like, I were you just like, eh, ho-hum, I've seen better Gaudreau. I'm, I'm trying to think of better Gaudreau. I might have seen one or two better okay. Gaudreau goals in my life. He scored, there was one he scored in uh, in the, the NCAA National Championship Tournament his rookie year, where it was used in, in on all the ESPN highlight reels, being like, holy cow, this kid's really arrived. And yeah, he did, he arrived that year. Uh, and I think he scored one in the, in the World Champion, or the World Juniors a couple years later. That was also very, very good. But in terms of just goals goal to make it go, hmm, okay. Situation-wise, too, like playoff-wise, I think he scored the game winner in the, the lone round, lone game they made the second round in 2015, and they beat the, they beat the Ducks one game. I'm pretty sure Johnny scored the game winner. He scored the game tying goal. Game tying, okay, because I know back he got one. Of, scored in overtime. Yeah, yeah, so so Johnny, that's a big one. That's a big one. And then, see, Daryl Sutter always says, he's like, there's goals. And there's big goals, right? There's, there's goals and there's big goals. And I'd rather have someone that scores big goals. And that goal Johnny Gaudreau scored at that point in time, that is a big effing goal. Right? Well, in, a, in a series that's He been had his just, number. Johnny, there was like the amount of blocker saves. Like Johnny was going, going between pad and blocker all night. Ottinger just had his blocker every single time Johnny was taking a shot. Or so Gaudreau trying do? to do his patented like – the, the weird low stick side thing that never really clips the side of the net. So what does Johnny do? Well, 
all year long. He all his breakaways. He didn't go five hole all year, but that's all you can ask lots of flames fans. They'll, they used to call him Johnny five hole because that's only place he'd ever shoot on a breakaway, especially in like 18, 19. And yeah. so he didn't do it. The, the, the well, thing that I like about this one is it wasn't even, it wasn't even a shot. Technically it was a, it was a, yeah, it was basically, he committed to the move. And then as soon as Ottinger bit and started to track him, he just slid it between his legs. He just just gifted. And, and you know, they, they didn't, they tried so many shots to beat him. Right. And they said, well, no one's going to be hacking me. Let's try a deke. Let's try to deke this kid. Let's try a move. Let's try something that we haven't been able to do because you don't normally have that much space and he made it work. He made a count. Then he was there for the primary pass on the three-one goal. It's a game-winning goal for Johnny Gaudreau. It's a big goal. It was. As it was the, said, you got it wrong. Sir. On that third goal was a three-nothing goal, and I think that's a like. The yeah, flames, no, but Johnny's was the, the second goal. The Johnny's, flames. The Johnny's flames were, shot was the, the second goal. The flames were playing a one-goal series pretty much exclusively, and mm-hmm. Gaudreau gave them the ability to play a two-goal series and have some breathing room. And he made it happen. And then he with the execute he made that pass on the third goal. And like they made, you know, the, the one mistake they made in the PK made it a two-goal game rather than a one goal game. Or yeah, one goal or one goal or a two-goal game rather than being tied. And that's the difference. The, they gave they had, I think psychologically speaking, they had a game where they threw everything but the kitchen sink and then the kitchen sink at Jake Ottinger and they got rewarded. Imagine if they hadn't gotten rewarded. How much of a mind, how much is that mess with your head being like, oh, we threw like 70 shots at this kid and we only scored once? That's that's the story that's been, everyone used to say playoff Sam Bennett, but playoff Sam Bennett used to be stand out because he was the only one with a shooting percentage above 6%, right? Like, right, like, like, like nobody could score. Like right now, uh, we're still looking for goals from the depth. Like it's like, it's still Lindholm and Gaudreau creating all the offense and you got one from Lewis. Where has the middle six been for goals? Like Coleman and Dubé, they've been trying. Dubé has been trying a lot, um, and, but Toffoli and Mangiapane, like these, these are the goal scorers. You paid for goal scorers. You guys got to get out, and you guys got to find a way. Find a way to put it in the net. You got to find a way to beat the goalie because you're going to need those goals. Even if the Flames somehow do, there's no, there's no guarantee they get by. They could lose game five. They can. It's blasphemous to say it's a swing game. It hasn't happened yet. They could lose, and that, and then if they lose what was the score, whatnot. You need your depth guys to score. You're not going to win the cup with those guys getting no goals. Someone's got to step up. Someone's got to find a way to score. Every Everybody's got to be pulling on the rope, right? But the, but the thing they all got to do is they got to worry. About, I said this last week, and I'm going to say it every week. The, the only thing they got to do is worry about what they're going to do on their next shift. Don't worry about period two or three of game five. Go out, try to get the first one. Because playing against Dallas with a lead beats playing – Dallas without the lead because Dallas when Dallas has the lead it is friggin hard to get through their trap it is they one goal lead and they are back right they are back they are in complete protection mode the second they have a one nothing lead and that that can both hinder and hurt Calgary used Calgary did that in the bubble playoffs they sat back and it took their three nothing lead that they had in game six I believe into a seven seven three loss because they, they stopped moving their feet. I think it was, wasn't it like it was either three nothing or four nothing. It was three at least three. I think it was three nothing, and then it was three one to end the period. And then I just remembered it ended seven four. I think the the easiest way to lose a lead is sitting on it. Yep, 
And then Calgary doesn't do that. This new version, the Sutter version of the Flames, they don't change their game plan. They literally do not change how they play, whether they're down two, one, up by two. It doesn't matter. They are constantly playing the same way. That's why, that's why I have so much faith in them. Now, I'm just glad it's not a five-game loss because that's just absolutely devastating. At least, no matter what, they're playing six games, so they're going to play Friday for sure. Uh, hopefully uh, by the end of Friday, there's going to be three, one of three things. We're either going to be golfing, we're either going to be in the second round, or we're going to be awaiting game seven. So that, that, that's, that's what's going to happen. I don't, I don't know if my heart can take game seven. Uh, well, I'd rather take game seven than the golf. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> but, I'm not built for golf. I know, I, I'd rather, I'd rather, preference is Friday. I'll be in Medicine Hat at a buddy, a big Flames fans uh, buddy. He's having a bachelor party. So we're all going to go to the Medicine Hat casino and watch the game. And uh, I'm hopefully. Because are the Tigers yeah. still, are the Tigers still playing? Are they done? I don't, I don't know. We're, we're big. We're just, the vibe with me and my group of friends right now is like, like all, right now we love making fun of what's going on uh north of the qe2 north of red deer on the qe2 and we're just hoping for leduc south how dare you speak ill of the great municipality of leduc sir how dare you uh, anyways and yeah the tigers are done we're the hoping tigers. friday night we're hoping friday night it's a celebration and not a disappointment but i'll t- as long as they're still alive i'll take it and I think that's probably a good place to cap off this week's edition of Flames Nation Radio. Uh, as always, we're delivered to you by DoorDash and also brought to you by Rupert's Whiskey, the official whiskey of the Calgary Flames from our friends in Eau Claire Distillery. Have a drink. Drink responsibly. Have some fun. It's playoff time. Should be fun. Hopefully it's not too stressful, everybody. Hopefully you find time to have some fun. Get a, get a nap in before the game. Uh, yeah, so for, uh, for Shane, I'm Ryan. Thanks very much for joining us, everybody. And we'll talk to you in one week's time. And hopefully we're still talking about postseason hockey involving the team that resides in Calgary. Have a good week, guys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.